everyone and welcome to this podcast regarding older people with diabetes and the care of their feet. My name is Rachel Freeman. I am the Professional Services Manager at the Australian Diabetes Educators Association and I will be your host for this podcast. This podcast has been developed in conjunction with the Aged Care and Diabetes Online Learning Modules, which can be accessed via the ADEA Learning Management System. Today, I would like to introduce Olivia King, who is a podiatrist and credentialed diabetes educator. Olivia is in the final stages of her PhD, exploring the roles of the various health professions when working as diabetes educators. Olivia has been a podiatrist for more than 11 years and a credentialed diabetes educator for five years. Hi, Olivia. Olivia, how are you today? Um, Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me to speak to this podcast. It's really great that we can take some of your time, Olivia, to discuss the importance of foot care for people with diabetes, especially in the older population. Firstly, would you like to give a bit more background about your role and what you do and perhaps your interest in the experience with older people and diabetes? I've worked as a podiatrist in the community health setting since 2008. We see lots of people with many different kinds of foot and general health conditions. Given the high prevalence of diabetes and the link between diabetes and foot health complications, I see people or clients or patients, whatever you like to call them, with diabetes frequently. I've also worked in the subacute setting as a podiatrist and as a diabetes care coordinator in a hospital admission risk program or HARP. It was while working in the HARP and in my role as a community health podiatrist that I was first inspired to undertake the grad cert of diabetes education in 2010. I then decided to pursue ADEA credentialing. In terms of my role as a community health podiatrist, the primary focus is on maintaining the independence of people in the community. So one of the main aims is preventing serious foot complications such as foot ulcers, infections and minor and major lower limb amputations. The key to prevention is to identify those at risk via comprehensive assessment. We also work with people with active complications such as ulcers, providing wound management in a teamwork environment. So in short, my role involves undertaking lots of diabetes foot assessments, providing foot health education, primary foot health care, including nail care and callus reduction, and also wound management for those with active foot ulcers. Wow, you sound really busy. <laughs> Thanks, Olivia. <laughs> so, um, so firstly, can you explain the benefits of looking after the feet of older people with diabetes? Why do we need to do this? So approximately one in four people with diabetes will experience a serious foot health complication such as an ulcer, infection and a minor or even major lower limb amputation. Recurrence rates are high. Some authors report rates to be as high, recurrence rates to be as high as 80%, which is why we focus so much on trying to prevent foot ulcers in the first instance. The longer the person has had diabetes for, the greater their risk of experiencing a foot complication. These complications can be devastating for the person and their families and carers and can compromise a person's independence and quality of life. Evidence suggests that many foot complications can be prevented by first identifying those at risk and second by implementing an individualised foot health care plan according to a person's risk status. While podiatrists specifically work with people to diagnose, manage, rehabilitate and prevent foot health problems, 
all healthcare workers working with people with diabetes can play a role in reducing the incidence of diabetes-related foot complications. They can do this firstly by checking the feet of older people with diabetes. Even simple visual inspections can help healthcare workers of all backgrounds gather information about a person's foot health status. Following on from that, we indicated, healthcare workers help older people look after their own feet by providing education and support or referral to a podiatrist where required. In some cases, particularly in the residential aged care setting, the role of the healthcare worker might be in actually providing some of the foot health care directly. Okay, great. It sounds um, it sounds very interesting and feet have also always fascinated me. Um, so can you give me a bit more information on how we can help to prevent or detect foot complications early? Uh, so are there signs and symptoms we can be looking out for that might indicate a problem with someone's feet? Yes, yeah, certainly. The most important thing all diabetes educators, RNs, aged care workers and other healthcare workers working with people with diabetes can do in the prevention and early detection of foot health complications is checking the feet of people or clients they work with. As I just mentioned, a simple visual inspection is the first and easiest step. The key signs to be aware of can be categorised according to skin and nails, bony deformities, vascular supply or circulation and nerve function or neuropathy. So when looking at the skin, let's start at the more serious end of the spectrum. That is, looking for ulceration and or signs of bacterial infection. The hallmark signs of local infection are redness, heat, swelling, and purulent exudatal pus. Also looking for blisters, callus, which may indicate an an underlying ulceration, or other areas of skin discoloration, which may represent an area of high weight-bearing pressure and pre-ulceration. Also checking between the toes for signs of fungal infection, such as redness, maceration, white, flaky skin or fissures. Remember to check the backs of the heels too, especially in the residential aged care and hospital settings where people are more likely to spend a lot of time in bed in a supine position. On inspecting the nails of people with diabetes, check for ingrown or thickened nails or signs of bacterial infections in the toes, which may be caused by ulceration under the nail or an infected ingrown nail. Nails that are thickened and discoloured may be fungal. The prevalence of fungal nails, in, fungal nails infection in older people is very high. Some studies suggest as high as 90%, and these are not always a concern. In terms of bony deformities, we are looking for bunions, claw or hammer toes, and other bony prominences. If someone has a bony deformity, it doesn't necessarily mean they have an active ulcer. However, these areas are at higher risk. On the other hand, if there is a gross foot deformity that is accompanied by redness, heat or pain, this could represent a serious, although uncommon, diabetes-related foot complication called Charcot's neuroarthropathy. When checking for signs of poor circulation, visual signs include abnormality in the colour of the feet, such as purpura or redness, particularly if there, is, if there are differences between the colours of the two feet. Further signs of circulatory problems, and this is where we move beyond the visual inspection, include weak or absent pulses. There are two main pulses in the feet to feel for, the dorsalis pedis on top of the foot overlying the area between the first and second metatarsals and the posterior tibialis pulses on the inner aspect of the ankle behind the medial malleolus. 
feeling the temperature of the feet can give you more information and once again paying particular attention to any differences between the feet. Peripheral neuropathy is the term given to dysfunction of the nervous system in the extremities like the hands and feet and can lead to a loss of protective sensation. Peripheral neuropathy has been shown to be a key factor in the development of foot complications. Signs of peripheral neuropathy can be harder to pick up but do include dry skin caused by autonomic neuropathy and muscle atrophy or wasting. There are several assessments used to determine the presence of peripheral neuropathy, including the monofilament test of protective sensation. All right, we'll move on to symptoms now. So in <laughs> that terms was of long. symptoms, yeah, that was a long-winded one. Are we ready, everyone? So yeah, in terms of symptoms, the ones to be concerned about, we'll once again break it down into skin, joint, circulatory and nervous system and consider and can consider each of these individually. So let's start with the skin and nails and once again at the serious end of the scale. People with diabetes are at high risk of both bacterial and fungal infections of the feet. A localised bacterial infection can be painful, although this is not always the case as there may be a loss of protective sensation due to peripheral neuropathy. Symptoms associated with fungal infections of the feet such as tinea are generally mild such as itching. Subannual or under the nail ulceration can be painful, but again, not always, thanks to peripheral neuropathy. Ingrown toenails, even if accompanied by infection, can exist without symptoms. That said, it is important to ask people if they have any pain in their toes or around their nails, as this would almost certainly indicate that podiatry management is required. Foot deformities, such as those previously mentioned, bunions, hammer toes and the like, are often not as painful as they look. If you are working with someone or caring for someone who does report foot or joint pain, it does, does not necessarily indicate that there is a diabetes-related foot complication in process, but it is important that it's followed up with their doctor or podiatrist. Circulatory problems such as blockages in arterial flow can be accompanied by symptoms such as intermittent claudication, that is pain on walking certain distances, or even rest pain, but once again, not always. If someone does report these types of symptoms, it is a red flag for prompt medical follow-up. The onset of peripheral neuropathy can be accompanied by symptoms such as numbness, tingling, burning, and pins and needles. These symptoms are often more noticeable at night. Wow, I've just provided the audience with a lot of information there. But really the key messages are when Checking the feet, consider the skin, body prominences, signs of circulatory problems and neuropathy. And remember to consider both the signs and reported symptoms. Thanks, Olivia. That is a lot of information, but all very important. Um, so thank you for covering all of that. That's great. Do you have any easy tips or tools that we can use to check people's feet? Things we can be implementing regularly in our daily routines or when looking after older people in the community or in care? Yeah. So I will just reiterate some of the information I've just provided. It is really important to check all areas of the feet, including the backs of the heels and in between the toes. Older people in particular often report finding it difficult to see let alone dry in between their toes. Also, as I mentioned, in relation to circulatory problems, checking for differences between the two feet, as this can be really telling. Identifying and acting on areas of discoloration or callus 
can help to prevent or at least detect ulceration early. So if you are concerned that a person does have a pressure area on their foot, don't just hope it will go away because these sorts of problems, when left alone, rarely, if ever, do. Be sure to report this to the person's doctor and or podiatrist. If you notice that someone has very dry skin, particularly of the lower legs and heels, depending on the setting, it's helpful if you can either advise them to apply a moisturising cream to these areas or apply it for them if they are un unable. Do avoid moisturising cream between the toes as this can cause maceration or sogginess in the area and splitting or fissuring of the skin in the web spaces. Another important tip is to advise people to wear shoes or sturdy, supportive slippers whenever they are weight-bearing, especially outside. That's great. And my next question was going to be around footwear. So one question I know gets asked regularly is about appropriate types of footwear. What is your advice about this and how can we encourage people to choose the right kind of footwear? Because particularly there's sometimes a thought that it can be a bit more expensive. I agree, Rachel. This is a common misconception. The key is to focus on the features of footwear rather than the brand or price. I always advise clients that when shopping for shoes, remember that not all retail workers are specially trained to fit footwear. So we all need to be really mindful to ensure that sh the shoes we choose to try on and eventually buy have the recommended features. So the key features that I advise clients to look for in suitable shoes are adequate length. The inner length of the shoe should be one to two centimetres longer than the foot length, as measured from heel to the longest toe when the person is standing. So we actually need to stand up in shoes to ensure that the length is adequate. Depth. Shoes need to be wide enough, particularly in the toe box, to accommodate your feet. On very gently pushing, pressing on the toe box while standing, we shouldn't be able to feel the tops of our toes immediately. This can be difficult for people with clawed and hammer toes to achieve. Width should be adequate so as not to press the toes together in a lateral and medial direction. This can be a real challenge for many older people with deformities such as bunions and hammer toes, but it is really important. Some podiatrists will actually trace a person's foot on cardboard, then cut it out and give it to the person to take shoe shopping. This can save lots of time trying on shoes that are just too narrow. A heel enclosure. An adequately fitting and enclosed heel is recommended as open back or a heel enclosure that is too wide can result in injury and usually requires a person to claw their toes in order to keep them on. The heel counter needs to be free of edges protruding into the footwear. Heel lift. We generally recommend that the heel lift shouldn't be any higher than one to two and a half centimetres and certainly not higher than three centimetres. This can impair balance. Fastening. So as well as laces, a buckle or Velcro can be a really good fastening for people to use and can just help to keep the foot in nice and securely. I know this sounds like a tall order, and in many ways, it can be very hard for some older people to find suitable footwear. It is helpful to have a visual guide for older people and their families or carers so they know what to look for when shopping. Also, some older people spend most of their time wearing slippers. And whilst this isn't completely ideal, there are some types of slippers that do meet the criteria I've just mentioned. That is, they are supportive, 
well-fitting, have a fastening and an enclosed heel. Thanks, Olivia. That's all really great advice and I hope um, the listeners can implement some of that even when they're own, you know, shopping for their own shoes. I think it would be um, it's helpful for everybody. So we've done yeah, all the reg- reg- <laughs> so we've done all the regular checks as um, healthcare professionals working with aged in aged care, um, advised on the right type of footwear or how to find the right type of footwear. When should a person see a podiatrist? Great, yes. So every person living with diabetes requires an annual foot health assessment. Ideally, this is undertaken by a podiatrist. However, this is not always possible. As long as a suitably trained healthcare worker undertakes this annual assessment, that's fine. So as part of the comprehensive assessment of the person with diabetes, the healthcare worker, be it a diabetes educator, RN, or an aged care worker, they should ascertain whether or not the person is up to date with their screening, including annual foot health assessment. If they are not, it is time for them to see a podiatrist. In addition to the annual assessment, a person should see a podiatrist in the following scenarios. If there are signs of pre-ulceration, ulceration or infection, there is a gross foot deformity accompanied by pain, redness or heat. The healthcare worker is concerned about the person's circulatory or neurological status. The person has reported pain in their feet, which has not been investigated. The person reports unremitting pain. The toenails are ingrown, thick, difficult to manage or painful. Or if you have any other concerns regarding the person's foot health status. Okay, great. So how do I go about arranging for someone to see a podiatrist? What if the older person with diabetes is unable to leave their house? Well, Fortunately, like the other allied health workers in Australia, a person can see a podiatrist without a doctor's referral. That said, if you do refer someone to a podiatrist, the more information you can provide, with a person's consent of course, the more prepared the podiatrist can be to provide the best treatment and develop the most suitable management plan. Podiatrists work in the hospital, community, residential aged care and private settings in Australia. I suggest that all healthcare workers get to know the local health services in their area and even make contact with podiatrists if they haven't already to find out what services they offer. Some podiatrists will do home visits if the person is unable to leave the house safely and it is certainly worth asking around to see which podiatrists do so that they can be contacted promptly if you are concerned about a person's foot health status. Fantastic, Olivia. That's all great information and we've certainly covered a lot today. You know, it's a very important topic and one that gets asked and talked about quite a lot with people with diabetes. I think we've covered the importance of foot health, checking feet and what to do if something is not quite right with someone's feet. That's all the specific questions I have for you today. But before we finish, are there any other really important take-home messages or a summary of what we've covered that you would like to convey to our listeners? Yeah, we sure have covered a lot. Um, And I guess the only additional comment I would like to make, just in case I haven't made it very clear already, diabetes-related foot complications are unfortunately quite common. However, they can be prevented, especially in the first instance, instance. Recurrence is trickier to prevent. So please, if you don't already do it routinely, talk to older people with diabetes about their feet. 
check their feet and act on any concerns you might have. This could very well prevent an ulcer from occurring. Great. Thank you once again, Olivia, for providing us with your time and expertise on this really important topic area. It's been great to talk to you today. Thank you for providing the opportunity to get these messages across. It's been great to talk about feet, diabetes and the older person, and I hope the listeners find the information helpful. I'm sure they definitely will, and we thank our listeners for tuning into this podcast and hope that you will join us again for future topics regarding diabetes education.